lifting up heaven in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated in this exciting service today. You guys are going to hear from four preachers, me being the first one. We're going to go back to back. It's going to be like a machine gun. Thank you, my brother. Let's give it up for our brother up here helping us out. Anthony, so awesome. Open up your Bibles with me to the book of Luke chapter 17, verse 20. Luke chapter 17, verse 20. It's all on the screen here for you. Can uh, Bethany, can you get me a tissue? Thank you. You saw that, brother. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate that. Let's just get that. We had some oil in the first service that got on the podium. It's anointed now. Amen. But we're going to be getting some oil on you in a little bit. Are you guys ready for that? We're going to get some oil on you. Trust me, it's going to be good. The, the message that we want to talk to you today about is that the kingdom of God is within you. Somebody say, within me. Amen. The kingdom of God is within you. Looking at Luke chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus is speaking. It says, once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, I want you to look here at the King James Version as it's coming up. The King James Version is going to say that the kingdom of God is within you. Somebody say, it's within me. Now, I don't want you to take that as a contradiction. I want you to see that as God emphasizing a point that is there. But then hold your place and now go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And starting around verse 6, you can see the climax of what verse 8 is going to say because the disciples, the same ones that heard what he had said, that the kingdom of God is within them, now are asking him, when is the kingdom of God going to be restored? Well, why didn't he say back to them, hey, didn't you hear what I said earlier? Luke is the same author of Acts, by the way, so obviously even Luke knows this. Hey, didn't you hear what I said earlier? It's within you. It's around you. It's, it's, it's here. No, but Jesus answers back and he says, it is not for you to know the time or the dates the Father has set by His own authority, but you shall receive power when the kingdom, uh, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the ends of the earth. I made myself laugh there because I said you will receive the Holy Spirit. I almost said the kingdom of God because I'm getting ahead of myself. You see, now Jesus says the kingdom of God is going to come, and you don't need to worry about the dates and the times, but you need to get busy and start talking about the kingdom. Be witnesses. So is that a contradiction or a compliment? Somebody say it's a compliment. When we go back to uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 20, we see that the emphasis that Jesus is giving those disciples at that time is that the kingdom of God is where Jesus is. Jesus is there in their midst, so the kingdom of God is there. The kingdom of God was wherever Jesus was. Now when he's speaking to them in Acts chapter 1 and onward, uh, 6 and onward, what he's saying to them is that the kingdom of God is going to come. Somebody say there's two manifestations. Come on, you can say that big word with the preacher. Say two manifestations. The first manifestation of the kingdom of God is within you. It's within you and I as we accept and receive Jesus. That is what he was talking about in Luke. He said, you don't have to go looking for it. The kingdom of God is here. Well, we know that was real because Jesus was right there. But then when he goes away, what did he say would come? The Holy Spirit that would be within us. And he says, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with you, among you. So now we have Jesus Christ within us. But is that all there is? Is that we just have a little Jesus on the inside? No, there is a kingdom of God literally come with a king called Jesus on a white horse establishing his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I'm glad I got one person saying amen. 
What about the rest of y'all? Do you want to be a part of that kingdom? This is exciting stuff. You have to understand this, that right now, that time in between Jesus' kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven with a kingship and with a kingdom and with a throne, that time in between is about you and I having the kingdom in here and spreading it around the world. The only reason why you and I have a job is so that kingdom can be spread. You do not have a job just so you can make money and build your own kingdom. The only reason, everybody listen to this, the only reason why you will get up, uh, get older young people and make babies, the only reason why you all going to do that one day and get married is so that God's kingdom can come to your children. And parents, your kingdom is not God's kingdom unless God's kingdom is everything you do. He said, seek first my kingdom and then all this will be added unto you. So if you're saying, well, my, you know, God's kingdom is with my family. If God is not in that family, God's kingdom is not in that family. Some people say, well, I want my kids to go to college. What, so they can call, catch STDs, lose their faith in God, be immoral, call themselves now by a different gender? Nothing wrong with college, but if you think college is just by itself the kingdom, it's not. As I said before in the first service, Jesus is not on the sidecar of your Vespa scooter today being rode around by you. You don't just get to say to Jesus, Jesus, you sit here in the sidecar. We're going to ride around in my moped today. Jesus is a king. Everything here is about his kingdom. My children are about his kingdom. My life is about his kingdom. And so we have to be kingdom focused in all that we do because this is his assignment for us. So do you want to do something great on your job? Put the kingdom of God first. Do you want to do something great in your family? Put the kingdom of God first. Somebody say, seek first. How many firsts can there be in your life? Only one. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first. Somebody say, seek first. Thank you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. God is not saying those other things are not important, but he's saying there can only be a number one number one. There can only be one number one. The first thing that is the priority of our lives should be God's kingdom. That's why we go out and preach on the streets is because it's about God's kingdom. That's why we do devotionals because it's about God's kingdom. That's why we pray for our children before they leave out the house to go to that public school. It's because it's about God's kingdom or wherever they're going. How many people pray for their kids like that? You better pray for them and lay your hands on them. Mom, I told them about you last week. You wouldn't let me out the house without praying for me. We do these things for the kingdom of God. If it's not for God's kingdom, it's going to all burn in the end. Everything that Bill Gates has done will burn in the end. If he didn't put God first, are you listening? Otherwise, it will be a reward to him. If he didn't do it for God, it will burn and there will be nothing left. You can come to God with ashes on judgment day. Are you listening to me? That's what a lot of people are going to come to God with is ashes because their life will be burned up. Their work will be burned up. What they did with their friends will be burned up. The people of this world look to you as an example, and you need to be a kingdom ambassador. The Bible says that we are ambassadors on behalf of the king. So going out and preaching the gospel at Boricua Fest, that's not where it ends. That's where it begins. Preach on your job. Preach to your family. Preach the gospel. And I don't want you to have to lose a job over it, but if it comes down to that, are you willing to lose a job over God's kingdom? I mean, think about everything that people are willing to give up around the world for church today. Are you willing to lay down your life for Jesus? You have to make that decision that it's his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's my priority. My first and foremost priority is the kingdom of God. If I am not a kingdom father, I am a bad father. Does everybody get that? If my, I said, do you all get that? If I am not a kingdom father, I am a bad father because I have not prepared them to meet the king. 
well, I'm a good father because I give them something to eat. That's good that you do that, and we consider that towards the attributes of a good father, but you are not a well-rounded, a true good father unless you prepare your children to meet the king. My children do not belong to me. They are lent to me. How many know that? You don't make them. You just procreate them. God made children. Children belong to God. That's why you don't have permission to just give them Netflix and say, watch whatever you want to watch. That's why you don't have permission to do all of that and be expected to be blessed by God. You need to take his command serious over your family. That's why you don't have permission to just destroy your marriage and go, well, this was just my marriage. That's God's marriage. It's God's family. It's God's children. We are there to guard what they watch, guard what they do, guard our marriages as unto the Lord. Now, I know not everything is going to go right while we seek God and his kingdom, but it's worth laying our lives down for. He said the kingdom of God is not just a matter of talk, but it's a matter of power. And he said it's not just a matter of eating and drinking either, like it's something frivolous. It's righteousness, right living, righteousness, peace, inner shalom, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If Jesus has set you free, he'll give you something to smile about. Even in the face of persecution, even in the face where this kingdom comes against God's kingdom, you will have joy unspeakable full of glory. Rudy, would you come and preach the next part of this awesome message, please? Let's give it up for Rudy as he comes. God bless you. Amen. Praise God. We're going to talk about the kingdom of God, and we're going to continue on that because the kingdom of God is the most powerful kingdom this earth has ever seen. And get this, the kingdom of God is actually a gift to this whole world, but the world doesn't want to receive it. I got these three quick little points that Jesus established the kingdom of God, the world hates the kingdom of God, and we're all called to be part of the kingdom of God. Amen? So I want to talk about that Jesus established it. We got John the Baptist paving a way for Jesus in the wilderness, right? He started preaching what? Repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. Paving a way for Jesus, and is it no coincidence that after Jesus gets baptized, he spends 40 days in the wilderness, and then he comes back, and that's his first message he preaches? Jesus is preaching this, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God has come near. That's his first message. So I want to talk to those who are not really taking Jesus serious, who are not really part of his kingdom, who want to call themselves a kingdom ambassador or a Christian or a disciple, but you're not really living it. Because this, this is the disease of the church in America. The disease of the church in America is you have too many Christians or quote-unquote Christians trying to title themselves as a godly person, but they want to build their own kingdom. They don't want to build the kingdom of God. First, it's Jesus' kingdom. He's the one that established his kingdom. That means if we come and we want to call ourselves a Christian, we want to come to church, amen, the preacher, but then our lives look like we're part of the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of the air, which is Satan's kingdom, then we're not doing it right. We don't know how to be a Christian because we don't want to submit to Jesus's kingdom that he came to establish on the earth. And mind you, like I said, it's a gift to this world, but the world's going to hate it. So us as Christians, we have to submit we see Christians all the time, or, or people all the time, that call themselves Christians. And you hear things like this, yeah, I pray at night, yeah, I go to church, I watch it online, or I'm not going to church right now, there's too many hypocrites and all that stuff. It's like, God have mercy. Well, let's just put someone from a different country that call themselves a Christian, and they're willing to lay their life down for Jesus, saying, yeah, for the kingdom of God, for Jesus' mission, for the gospel going forth, for me to lay down my life for that, it's an honor. 
But like I said, the disease of this nation is, is nobody wants to submit to the kingdom of God. So people are literally saying that something's wrong with that Christian because they're too used to hearing what their itching ears want to hear. But that's not the kingdom of God. All, you want it, all they want to hear is, how, do you, how could I better myself, preacher? How can I better myself? Tell me something I want to hear. Tell me something like, I'm blessed and God's going to see me through it. When that message is for this Christian that is literally standing in the face of persecution, their life is on the line, but they're saying it's worth it. Paul, before he was Paul, he was Saul. He was a persecutor of the church, a Pharisee, right? And he said it was worth uh, losing everything for the sake of, of, of knowing Jesus, that everything is trash. That's a kingdom ambassador. That's someone that says, God, I want to be part of your kingdom, but it's going to come at a cost. We'll get to that in a second when I talk about how we're all called to that. So one, Jesus established his kingdom. It's not your kingdom. It's not what you built for yourself. Though maybe some, some pastors want you to tell, tell you that or some preachers want to tell you that. But it's not how we can just better our lives. It's how God saves us from the wretched sinner that we were, the wicked sinner, saves us and then calls us out to be kingdom ambassadors, submitting to his kingdom and watching him do his work upon the earth through his kingdom. Now, I want to talk about how the world hates the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is the most powerful kingdom the earth has ever seen, but it's also invisible right now, amen? The like, like Pastor said, the kingdom is in, a, in our midst. It, we carry it with us. Think about all the kingdoms of the world. Uh, even America may at some point fall like the Roman Empire did, but all the kingdoms of the world just want that greatest kingdom badge. They don't want the greatest kingdom uh, title. Like, man, we did it right. But you have communism everywhere. The Roman Empire, though it was, it was one of the best uh, uh, kingdoms on the earth, they fell. They crumbled from the inside out because the people wanted more freedom. Hopefully we're not on our way there as America. But think about it. It's the most powerful kingdom. It's also invisible right now. And though the world may be looking at us as just the scum of the earth, ah, oh, they ain't nothing. It's the church. Yeah, they ain't nothing. Well, first of all, maybe one of the reasons why they don't think we're nothing is because we don't really consider the kingdom of God something to take serious because we're all about our kingdom. That's why at one point I prayed for persecution. I'm like, God, we need something to show the world. Like, we're standing for something. We're not just little Christians that go in our four-walled church and be like, yeah, this is awesome. Jesus loves me. No, we're going out. We're making disciples. We're being kingdom ambassadors. We're doing exactly what Jesus told us to do. That's what a kingdom ambassador does. And the world doesn't like that. How do I know that? Well, even when the church first started, persecution, persecution, people were scattered. Did that, that make them quit? No. They continued even more. And because of all the persecution, the church grew. There were signs, wonders, and miracles. And people were dying for the sake of the kingdom of God, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of people getting saved, saying, my physical life, because I already have eternal life, my physical life is worth putting on a line so that someone could have eternal life. That's what a kingdom ambassador is. And the world doesn't like that, so the world persecutes Christians and all the kingdoms of the world think that they're so great. But think about this. Though there may be a kingdom in China as far as like government here, right, these earthly kingdoms, the kingdom of God is worldwide, 
It's worldwide. We have brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, Pakistan. We have brothers and sisters in Nepal. We have brothers and sisters in Brazil. We have brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world that are part of the kingdom of God. And yes, the world hates them. Even now in a free nation, we have, our, we have people that we considered friends at some point now saying, oh, you're part of that. You're, they brainwashed you. Some of us needed our brain to be washed in the first place, but people be hating on us because we found a new way of life. And all of a sudden, we're people's enemy now. All of a sudden, we're, we're the people that nobody wants to be around. That's okay. We're going to still preach to you. We're still going to go to your parties. We're still going to go to the streets. We're still going to go and preach to you. We're still going to love you. Even though you accuse us of so much, just in America. But this kingdom of God goes around the world. So Jesus, he established this kingdom. And the world hates his kingdom. See, we may be, we may be small now, and maybe people don't consider us great, but it is all that the world has in the end. At the end of the time where the judgment comes, that's all that's going to be left. His kingdom coming down to earth. People are looking like, well, where is it? Is it over there? Is it going to come later? Where is this kingdom you're talking about? It's already here. It's because Jesus established his kingdom with the church right now. He says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So people had to turn away and we need to change our mind about how we see Christianity, how we see the church of Jesus Christ, because we have to be part of his kingdom. Not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is going to get in, but those who do the will of my Father, Jesus said. Those are the ones that are going to be in the kingdom. It's no wonder that Jesus says that that he he looks to the children. He says, those like these is what the kingdom of God belongs to. It's no wonder that he said that you need to be born again to see the kingdom of God. Because we can't be like, yeah, God, give me the kingdom and we're all selfish, and we just want it for ourselves. We just want God to just bless our lives, and we never do anything for Jesus. That's not a disciple or a kingdom ambassador. You're your own ambassador. You're just representing yourself. Let me go to church so I can puff myself up, feel good about my life. It's all about Jesus. It's all about his kingdom. I want to go to Luke 18, 29. And the last point I have is all of us, every single one of us is called to be part of this kingdom that Jesus established and that the world hates. You mean Jesus is calling me to be part of something that the world hates? Well, yes. But we're going to the hateful world to save them so that they can be uh, in the kingdom of God. That's what it is about now. That's, that's literally what our job is as Christians and as kingdom ambassadors is right now. So that we may go to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, preach the gospel, make disciples, and advance the kingdom of God. Not our own kingdom. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. So there's going to be a cause to it. When we say yes to, to, to Jesus and follow him and actually follow him, we may lose some things. We may have to put some things aside to advance his kingdom, but we'll receive more in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. When his, when his kingdom is all the world has left, there's nothing else. It's just the kingdom of God in the end. Let's go to Matthew 10, I believe uh, 16, Matthew 10, 16. I want us all to be encouraged because though we're all called to this kingdom, that the world hates, we're still blessed. 
We still got Jesus. It's not like God abandoned us. We still got Jesus. I said yes to the Lord, and I'm, and I'm blessed. Here we go. Jesus says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. The people that are part of the kingdom of God, that advance the kingdom of God, are going out like sheep among wolves. No, nobody else. It's the people who are part of the kingdom of God. Be on your guard, Jesus tells his disciples. You will be handed over to local councils. The kingdom ambassadors will be handed over to local councils. They'll be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings and witnesses as witnesses to them and the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, don't worry about what to say. This is what he's telling his, 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 the people of his kingdom that's in their midst, in the world's midst. He's telling them, you're going to be in the midst of the world that hates the kingdom. They're going to flog you. Are, you. are you ready to be part of this kingdom, Christian disciple? This is why we do discipleship in this church, because we got to know, like, hey, you understand this, right? This is not just like, yes, I love Jesus, and then that's the end of it. No, we want to make sure you understand. When you're called by God, when Jesus called Peter, when Jesus called his 12, this is what they may face. Nobody knew in 2020 our church would go through what it went through. And those who stood understood, man. This is the kingdom of God. Sometimes the kingdom of God may get persecuted. Sometimes the kingdom of God will get opposition. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say. At that time, you'll be given what to say. Look, he even gives us what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. That's what happens. Brother will betray a brother to death. A father or his child. Children will rebel against his parents and have them put to death. You will, scroll up for me please, thanks. You, you will rebel against your parents and have them put to death. The kingdom ambassadors, those who are part of the kingdom of God, the ones who advance the kingdom of God, will be hated by everyone because of the kingdom establisher, Jesus. That's the call. For us to be part of the kingdom, we have to repent, be born again, because we can't see the kingdom of God without it. And we got to be ready for the world that hates the kingdom of God. Think about the threat that the kingdom of God posed in the early church in the Roman Empire. It's like, who is this king that, that was crucified? Now his disciples, his followers are rising up and is growing and growing and growing. Even our centurions are getting saved. Like, what's going on? Imagine the threat, but think about it. Even the Roman Empire bowed its knees to Jesus. Made a Christian nation. But that's the call. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The one who really understands this eternal kingdom is the one that's going to be saved. So church, are you guys ready to be part of that kingdom? Are you guys really saying, saying I want to be part of this kingdom? You may lose your life, but it's worth it in the end. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. I love what Rudy said. It was such an amazing thing because the kingdom of God is such an important thing that we should live. We should live our lives for this. We should live our lives living for the gospel. We should live our lives living our lives just for Jesus. See, if the kingdom of God is in our midst, why are many of us living like it? If the kingdom of God is in our midst, if Jesus is supposed to be with us in and out, if some Jesus is supposed to be with us at our jobs, at our house, why are many of our churches, why many of our believers, why many of our people in our churches nowadays, even preachers and pastors, living like it? 
Many of our preachers nowadays don't preach the, the kingdom of God. See, if people would actually believe that God is in their midst, the kingdom of God is in their midst, they wouldn't find their spouse, you know, falling into adultery. They wouldn't, fall, they wouldn't see people falling into sin like believers who, put their, who at first put their trust in God but now falling away from the Lord. If the kingdom of God is in our midst, we wouldn't see people like Uriah, Zechariah doing all these wicked things with these females. See, the kingdom of God is supposed to be in our midst, and how we're supposed to live matters. We're supposed to live holy and pure and righteous lives for God, not living in wickedness and perversion and sexual morality, but living for the kingdom of God, living for Jesus. Shame on our generation, shame on our country, shame on many believers and Christians who claim to follow God, who claim to have the kingdom of God in their midst, but living wicked lives outside of the kingdom. Living per- lives of perversion and sexual morality because they want to follow their own desires. See, the Bible says that we must deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. See, it's not about our lives. It's about Jesus. When we follow God, it's not about ourselves anymore. It's about Jesus. It's about him. It's about how we're, we're supposed to be living for him, not our own selves anymore. I remember I was talking to one of my friends who was a believer, and, uh, man, it was just it was so grieving, so grieving because he was telling me, you know, I'm going through all this and I'm going through all that, but still preaching on a, preaching on a Sunday still telling people, hey, God loves you, still giving prophetic words, guys, still giving words of property, pro- uh, prophecy, but living far away from God. That means, guys, listen, I want you guys to pay attention to this today. That means all the gifts that you had, all the things that you have are garbage if you're not living for Jesus. They're garbage if you're not truly living for God. You can be the best preacher, you can be the best evangelist, you can be the best teacher, and they're garbage if it's not living for the kingdom. Because God is supposed to be in our midst. God is supposed to be with us everywhere we're going. That means at home, Jesus is supposed to be with you. At home, not just on Sunday when we're worshiping God and saying praise be to God. No, at home when you're doing nothing, you're supposed to be with Jesus. At your job, when those people are talking about funny jokes and they're making fun of people, you're supposed to be like Jesus. If you can go to 1 John Verse 2, First John chapter 2, I'm sorry. If you can go down to verse 3. It says, we know that we have come to know him. They're talking about Jesus. If we keep his commandments, right? The Bible says, if you love me, you obey my commandments. That's the words of Jesus, right? 
It says, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commanded is a liar, and the truth is not in him. See, if you claim to follow God, you claim to follow Jesus, and, uh, and, you, and you claim to love God, but you still living in wickedness, living in perversion, living in sexual morality, guess what? The truth is not in you today. Jesus is not in you today. And you have to repent and you have to get right with God. Many people try to preach the gospel. Even people I know, they come out on the streets with us. Oh, I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to share the word of God with people. And they're not living right by God. You hypocrites. You wicked hypocrites. You wicked hypocrite. God does not like hypocrites. He hates hypocrites. He loves them, but he hates their sin. If the kingdom of God is in our midst, we should be living like it. We should be living lives worthy of the gospel. We should be living lives worthy of Christ Jesus our Lord. I love talking to Christians that say, I can't live holy. The Bible says to be holy as your heavenly Father in heaven is holy. That's the commandment. The Bible also says that you will not inherit the kingdom of God if you do not live in holiness. If you have unclean hands, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So today, we have to live a life worthy of the gospel, especially if we claim to know God. Especially if we claim to have God in our midst, we need to live like it today. If we want to preach the gospel, we want to see a generation saved and transformed, we have to live like it. You are not going to be able to reach anybody if you're living in sin today. You won't be able to reach anybody if you're living in perversion today. How can you reach somebody with the gospel if you're you're still living in sin yourself? How can you reach the harvest and you're still in the harvest yourself? You have to get right today. Because the kingdom of God is at hand. Those are the words of John the Baptist. He said, repent for the kingdom of God's at hand. Repentance doesn't mean just to continue to walk the same old walk you've been living. To continue to do the same old thing. Oh, God, I'm sorry for living in sin. God, I'm sorry for doing what I did. God, I'm sorry, but you're still doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. No, repentance means to turn away from sin and get right with Jesus. So today, get right with God. Don't base it off performance. Don't base it off anything else. Base it off of giving your whole heart to Christ. And Jesus will give you eternal life. He will set you free from your sin. And he will give you a purpose. He will give you a plan for your life. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Luke chapter 17, verse 20, it says, uh, Being asked by Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered them and said, The kingdom of God 
is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. No Pharisee ever came to Jesus with a genuine question other than Nicodemus. At the time of Jesus, the Pharisees would come to Jesus to try to find fault with him. They were fault finders. They were trying to do all that they could to see a crack in Jesus' words. They were trying to listen into Jesus to, to see if they can find a way to trap him, to try to get him. That's how they approached Jesus. So they're coming to Jesus and they're saying, Jesus, tell us a little bit about this kingdom. Tell us a little bit about what you think it's going to look like. And they're looking down on Jesus as if they have more knowledge than what Jesus had. But Jesus is looking at them, and he's actually looking down on them. Because Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is right before your eyes. He's saying the kingdom of God is in your midst. Jesus was right there, right there in front of him. They couldn't understand that. They couldn't see that. You see, friends, when Samuel was a prophet, Israel said, Give us a king like all of the nations around it. And God said to Samuel, I will give Israel a king. I'll give them what they want. They've not rejected you, Samuel, by telling them and warning them of having a king. God says, they have rejected me as their king. So I'll give them a king. And you can see then later on from there, Samuel warns Israel of what a king will do to Israel. Take their taxes. Take their women. Take their children. He's warning Israel. And you know what Israel says? To hell with what you got to say. I want it my way. I want to live my way. I want to have a king. I want to be like everyone else. And they got what they wanted. They got Saul. They got David. They got Solomon. They got all the kings. And what did those kings do to Israel? They introduced a concept to mankind that God never wanted them to have. As an Irishman, we fought for our independence from a monarchy because we saw what the British were doing to us. We saw what it meant to live under a British human king and human queen. God wanted Israel to be ruled by judges. God wants us to be ruled in a republic, not by some monarchy that's trying to tax us, take from us, and put us down. God bless the United States of America. Because we fought against that so that we could have the freedoms that we have today. Jesus Christ went to the cross because he knew that if we're going to become into the kingdom, we would have to have a sacrifice paid for us. Because we are rebellious. We are disobedient. And we can see this about Israel. They were rebellious and they were disobedient. You know, under the law of Moses, there were 613 laws given. In the New Testament, there is 1,050 commands given. There are more commands in the New Testament than in the Old Testament. Jesus' commands in the New Testament are even more difficult to keep than the laws of Moses. Because Jesus said that if your eyes cause you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, Cut it off. Jesus made the law even more condemning. 
Paul said that the law was the ministry of condemnation. Everyone says, well, Jesus, he was the greatest disciple maker ever. Was he? Was he a good disciple maker? At the end of three years being discipled with Jesus, his own apostles couldn't even pray with him for one hour. In the Garden of Gethsemane, they couldn't even pray for one hour. That's three years being discipled by the king of disciple makers. And his own couldn't even disciple for one hour. Imagine all the criticisms that Jesus would get. Come on, what type of discipling were you giving to them? They can't even pray an hour. Must be something wrong with Jesus' discipleship there. And that's the criticisms that the Pharisees and the religious were bringing at Jesus. Not realizing that Jesus Christ wasn't coming to bring a discipleship that was dependent upon flesh, self, and strength. You see, Jesus Christ was bringing a discipleship that was not going to be reliant on our own ability. It was not going to be reliant on our own strength. That's why he sent them to the upper room. That's why they were endued with power. That's why the Holy Ghost came upon them. So that they could do what they never could do on their own. You've got to come under the king. He ain't your king if you're not reliant on him. He ain't your king if you don't include him in your decision making. We got some people out there, great people, but they're preaching a message that says, come on up here to the front, say a quick prayer, and then live your own life for the rest of your life, and you'll go right to heaven. Jesus doesn't care about your quick prayer. There's no magical prayer in the Bible that's going to get you in in a moment. You are saved into a lifestyle that bends a knee every day to a king, Jesus Christ. You can say you prayed a prayer 10 years ago, but what are you praying right now? Are you acknowledging him in all your ways? The scripture says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. You see, my friends, we want it our way. Give me a king. Give me a Ferrari. Give me a Maserati. Give me a blunt. Give me my fleshly desires. Give me a pulpit. Give me a church. Give me a microphone. Give me anything that I don't have to rely on God for. Any seminary, any Bible school that says to you, you can build a church without a prayer meeting is lying to you. You can build a church without relying on God. They're lying to you. You can evangelize sinners without a dependency on God. You're a liar yourself. You're a liar yourself. Because without God, we can do nothing. Without God, we can do nothing. Without God, we can do nothing. Jesus said, I'm coming to bring a kingdom, not a religion. I'm coming to bring a kingdom, not an organization. Jesus said to Nicodemus, to the religious man, this is not an organization that I'm introducing to you. This is not another religious system. He said, you must be born again. What does that mean? He's saying, this is not an organization. This is an organism. An organism. Jesus did not come to bring rules. He came to bring an organism. Power. Life is inside of us to do what we never could do on our own. 
If you put a grain of wheat into an engine of a car, it will not grow. But if you put a grain of wheat into soil, it will grow. Why? You can't put life into a mechanism or into a man-made structure and expect life to come out of it. We are an organism. Just in the physical. Jesus came as an organism. Why? Because he wants to break in on us. He wants to put life in us. If you drain my physical body of its blood, there's no life in my heart. There's no life in my lungs. There's no life in my kidneys. There's no life in my livers. There's no life in any part of me except where the blood flows into me. See, life is in the blood. That's why the king, Jesus, had to die and shed his blood so we can have life. Life is in the blood. There's cleansing in the blood. There's washing in the blood. In the manger where Jesus laid, kings came to bring king's gifts to a king. Frankincense, gold, and mirror. The estimated value in that moment, from what I've read and the research I've done, was close to $30 million given to Joseph and Mary. They became millionaires overnight. And then they take Joseph, Mary, and Jesus. They go to Egypt for a couple of years. And then they come back to Israel. They start a carpentry business. Jesus learns carpentry from his father from the age of 12 to the age of 30. Jesus is concealed just doing what he was doing. And then at 30, we see him coming out saying to everyone, this is who I am, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus said, you can't have any of me if you don't submit, yield, surrender. Even when it comes to laying down your life. Friends, we're in a very dangerous hour because the gospel is getting it's getting polluted with the law of Moses. It's getting polluted. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul said, Who has bewitched you? You began this thing in the spirit and in the strength of God. And now you're doing it all in your flesh and in your own strength and in your own abilities. A lot of Christians are bewitched right now. Because they're trying to do in their flesh what only God can do through them. You are bewitched if you try to do this in yourself. In your own strength. And the Lord's speaking to me over the last number of months and he's saying, Adam, it's not so much what you're saying, but how you're saying it is as important as what you say. I have a friend who has a violinist and he's an amazing violinist and he took out his violin and he was showing me that if you tighten the strings too tight on the violin, it won't sound right. If you loosen the strings too loose, it still wouldn't sound right. You have to have the right tension on the strings in order for it to sound right. You see, friends, we believe in sound doctrine. Sound and doctrine are very important. Not just as the doctrine, but the way it's said. That's why Jesus said, if you want to worship me, you worship me in spirit and in truth. Friends, today, we don't just have another message of how you have to do something. We have a message about how you need to die to your self-strength and come alive to the power of the Holy Spirit who will do through you what you could never do on your own. Jesus came that you might have life. Jesus came that you might have life. Jesus came that you might have life. Life is in Jesus Christ. Make him king and you will have life. Where we go, devils and demons treble. 
There's power in us to smack a warlock down into hell. There's power in us to slap witches down into hell. There's power in us to drive out devils. Let me tell you, in the name of Jesus, we are co-heirs with Christ. So in Christ, you're not working for nobody. They're working for you. In Christ, you don't need permits to preach nowhere. You own the ground that you stand on. In Christ, we walk in that type of authority. We don't go in to get a job and say, hey, will you hire me? No, if you don't hire me, you're not going to be blessed. That's how we say to them. Every believer in Jesus has an advantage over everyone else. We have an advantage in science. We have an advantage in music. We have an advantage in the business world. We have an advantage in business and politics. Why? Because God is at work in us. And when we tap into Him, the creativity of heaven comes into us. When we tap into Him, we get wisdom beyond our years. When we tap into Him, we are given knowledge beyond our years. God can lead you in the stock market and you can become a millionaire overnight. We don't have a poverty gospel. You can have your poverty gospel all you want, friends. These guys I know, they want the poverty gospel. No, I'm not into poverty gospel because my Jesus ain't poor. And let me tell you something. As he is, so are we in this world. What does that mean? We, that means, friends, that as he is, so are we in this world. Everybody wants to be like the weak Jesus in their own imagination. Let's just go around turning other cheeks to everyone. Let's just love all the neighbors. Let's just lay down our lives just for the sake of it. Let's be walked on. Let me tell you, when Jesus comes back, when he comes back, he ain't going to be walked on. When he comes back, he's going to be ironclad. When he comes back, it's going to be to rule. It's going to be to reign. It's going to be to slaughter. It's going to be pulling down strongholds. The Antichrist does not stand a chance. Satan does not stand a chance. The demonic horde does not stand a chance. Governments do not stand a chance. Nuclear missiles don't stand a chance. The weaponry of man does not stand a chance. When Jesus comes back, it will be with all authority to rule, to reign, to glory. All glory to Him. All glory to Him. All glory to Him. I'm richer than the richest man on this planet. Not because of the bank account, but because of Jesus. I'm the richest. You're the richest. You've got more royal blood. Listen to me. You've got more royal blood inside of you than in Buckingham Palace when you're a believer in Jesus. You've got more royal blood in you and take it from an Irishman. One whose legacy, we're only fed potatoes. One who is treated worse than any slave you can ever imagine for 800 years. There is more royal blood in an African, in an Irish, in a Colombian, in an Argentinian, in a Mexican. There is more royal blood when we believe in Jesus than in Buckingham Palace. You are not who you used to be. You are not who you were. In Christ, you are a prince. You are a princess. You have authority. You are rich. You are an owner. You are a manager. You are a leader. You have authority. You build. You create. You do what only God could do. And they will look on and they will see our success. And our boast will be in our King. 
our boasts will be in look at what the Lord has done. Look at what the Lord has done. All glory and honor to Jesus. If you're here, close your eyes this morning. If you're here this morning and you're not seeking first the kingdom of God in your life, you know God is not first in your life. One of the ways to gauge if he's not first in your life is to ask yourself, have I included God in any major decisions lately? Am I, am I dating someone that I never prayed about? Am I heading towards a college degree that I never asked God, should I be doing it? Am I about to rent a place? Am I about to buy a car? Am I about to make a long-term commitment and not talk to God about it? You see, my friend, you can say you're saved, but is Jesus a part of your decision-making? You can say you're saved, but are you still king of your life? You can say you're saved, but are you still in your flesh trying to do what only God can do through your life? Let me tell you right now, friends, there is no magical prayer. There is no magical prayer. Jesus wants you to walk in relationship as much today as you did five years ago. Jesus wants you to walk in as much relationship with him as you did when you got the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Listen, you want to walk with God, you got to walk with him in your decisions because you're no longer king of your life close your eyes across this room if you're here this morning and you can say honestly from your own heart this morning that I am not including God in major decisions in my life I'm not praying about major decisions I'm doing what seems to be right to my flesh and it's going to only end in destruction I've been seeking out kings. I've been seeking out leadership positions. I've been seeking out pulpits. I've been seeking out ministries. I've been seeking out all sorts of things, but I've not been including God in any of it. I'm even reading the Bible without God not understanding it. We need God for everything. We need God for everything. The letter without the Spirit kills. We need the Holy Ghost for everything. It is the Spirit that quickens the flesh prophets nothing and the words that I speak unto you they are spirit and they are life if that's you would you lift your hand up this morning and say God I want to start including you in all my decisions lift it up good and high good and high good and high every single person across this room and if our elders could come forward and our deacons could come forward with your hands lifted I I want you to humble yourself in front of the church and in front of your brothers and your sisters. Humble yourself this morning and say, you know what? I may be a deacon. I may be an elder. I don't know what position you might be in. But this morning, God is saying, did you ever pray about that before you made that decision? Did you include God in any of that? Because you're just as much of a hypocrite as the people you're calling hypocrites if you're not. And you need to be exposed in your self-reliance. Your self-reliance will get you to hell as much as any sin you can preach against. Don't rely on self. Rely on the Spirit. If that's you this morning, leave the seat where you're at and come forward right now all across this room. Come forward right now. Like on the day of Pentecost, he said, I'm going to come forward. I'm going to come to the upper room. I'm going to leave Jerusalem and go to the upper room. I'm coming forward. The upper room is right here, available and accessible right now. We're transforming the front of this church into the upper room. If you need the upper room, if you need the power that came down in the upper room, this is your Pentecost. This is your Pentecost. 
Now get up here at any cost right now. Get up here at any cost right now. Come on, get up here at any cost right now. You leave. All you that raised your hands need to be up here right now. I'm not going to call you out, but I'm going to tell you right now. You raise your hands. You get up here. Come on. Leave that seat right now. Come on up here and experience your Pentecost. Experience your Pentecost. Leave where you're at today. Don't fool God. Say to get down on your knees if you have to. Because Jesus is coming as a king. And we're not used to his kingdom mentality. We got a republic. We come before the president. We're like, what's up, Jay Biden? No, 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 no. We come before Jesus down on our knees. Down on our knees. Down on our knees. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus, you are King of kings. Leave that seat. Surrender to your king. Come under his authority. Yield yourself to your king, Jesus. Let him have his way in and through. Jesus, I love you. Jesus. Who needs to repent? Who needs to make Jesus the Lord of their life? Do it right now. Don't hold anything back. We preach to you today with passion. Multiple messages, multiple points, so that you would seek first the kingdom of God, that you would make Jesus the Lord of your life, that everything you do would be about Jesus. Now this is your time. Talk to him. Pray. Ask Jesus for forgiveness. Humble yourself. We as Americans, we don't know how to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves before God. Cry out for mercy. Lord, is there room at the cross for one more? Have mercy on me, God, a sinner. We'll pray for the saints in just a moment. But anyone here unsure of their salvation, anyone here needing assurance, anyone here for the first time needing to confess Christ, call on his name. Yahweh saves. Yeshua in Hebrew, that's what his name means. Yahweh saves. Call on the name of Jesus. Jesus, save me. Save me from my sins. Save me, God, from my perversion and my bad habits. Save me from my unbelief, my self, my selfishness, my self-reliance. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Dedicate your life to the Master. He's worthy. There is only one Master who laid their lives down for you. That's worthy of your obedience. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Salvation is here. Freedom is here. New life is here. A transformation from the inside out. First the kingdom comes within. Now it comes out. Now it comes out. Those of you who need the kingdom of God to start coming out through you, start to raise up your hands. We're going to start a Holy Ghost train here. We're going to start anointing everyone here who wants to be anointed. It doesn't matter if this was your first day becoming a Christian. We will now pray for you as a saint because there's only two kinds of people here today, saints and sinners. And I pray there are no more sinners left. You've all become saints. Now it's time to follow Jesus. 
to be a fisher of men, to take up your cross, follow Jesus. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues, it's a gift for you. Those who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit start to speak in those new languages as the Lord gives you utterance. The rest of you, as we begin to pray and lay hands on you, let those languages come out. You may not understand much about it today, but Jesus said he'll never allow an evil spirit or a bad thing to happen if you're calling out to him. So trust the word of God and ask him to fill you with the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus, there is fire in this place. There is power in this place. To my feet, Jesus. Amen. Now all altar workers not praying, begin to make a train. Berto, help us out. Make a tunnel. Pastor Berto is going to start directing you. We're going to ask the oil to be brought up here and to be put on all the hands of the elders and deacons. And then what we're going to say as we get ready to dismiss, because you will be dismissed. No one is forcing you to do this. If you're COVID sensitive, you don't have to do this. This is for those who have faith for hands to be laid on them to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you haven't already. And for those who have, who want a fresh outpouring for the Holy Spirit to come in you and through you. But don't come through this altar until you've repented of your sins. Because we're laying hands on saints today. We're laying hands on those who say, I don't want to be a hypocrite anymore. We're laying hands on people that want the power of God, pure and undefiled, to flow through them like a mighty river. We're going to sing Break Every Chain. Is that good? As we get ready to sing, I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal. You can go on your own. It's up to you. But if you want this time of prayer and after party, just begin to line up and start from my right, your left, and begin to flow through here and let God anoint you today. Father, I ask that you will send the power of the Holy Spirit that everyone here will not leave the same way they came, but everyone here will be filled with power and glory and that the Holy Spirit will flow out of them as they leave today, they'll leave with power to lay hands on the sick, power to cast out the devil, souls to be saved and disciples made in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen and amen. You are dismissed.